Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. And it's brought to us by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We appreciate that. And who's in studio with us? Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Great to be here, Denny. It's always a pleasure to have you in here. We use your expertise to help our listeners out. Always a lot of fun. And yeah. this is, uh, we're going to get to it. We'll talk a little bit about it later. But you reminded me that uh, we have been doing this with you and your colleagues for eight years. This is the eighth. Eight years. So this is over 400 smart gardening shows. Oh, yes. Think of all, um, all the answers. Yeah. Think of all the answers. <laughs> all the questions right? you've been, all the questions, all you've the been asked. Yeah, it's, it, been, it's been great. We've learned a lot, and I hope our listeners have. Too. I know they have, and they appreciate uh, you, you guys coming in here every week. Uh, but, you know, there's another friend of ours that I think you know that I uh, I ran into um, uh, this guy at the grocery store. He's laughing about it and his wonderful wife, Ruth. It's Dale Bachman. Dale, good morning. Well, good morning, Danny. And hi, Mary. Happy spring. Oh, happy spring. Great to hear your voice, oh, Dale. Goodness. I, I've got to tell you, I was at the Galleria this week. Oh, you did yes, make it I there. I took one of my grandchildren down there, and we had a wonderful time oh. looking at the flowers. It's certainly gorgeous. Yeah, well, you've done a great job. Thank you. And Ruth and I dashed downtown yesterday afternoon to catch that all-star game and kind of heard the same thing from from folks that uh, that did make it to the Galleria. And I just wanted to remind everybody and, and extend one last-minute invitation to get there. Uh, the garden party goes on at the Galleria today and tomorrow. This is the last two days this now. Is the last two days, right. Well, you know, I wanted to remind folks that there are other things going on other than basketball, <laughs> this and well, this is one of them. You know, and, and uh, if any of our guests that are here for the Final Four... Sunday is kind of a day between games. Yeah. They could just find their way out to the Galleria. You know, Danny, we, we used to have so much wonderful shopping in the core of downtown. We've, we're thankful to have Target downtown, but so much of that shopping has disappeared. It's so, true. Uh, it, there's wonderful food and drink down there, but if they want some great shopping, head out to the Galleria. And what, what can we see? There are so many things to see. You know, uh, Mary, I'm, I'm glad you made it. It <laughs> is so fun to see the gardens through the eyes of the children, and we did that with our children, uh, our grandchildren, I should say. Uh, but, Mary, there's a, I don't know if you noticed it, but a couple of beautiful grasses out there that one of our team members at the greenhouse, over, we overwinter it for him in the, 
in the greenhouse. But did you see that dwarf pampas grass, the I ivory did. feather? I did. I took some pictures of that, uh, Dale. Yes, that's gorgeous because it looks very fresh. Yeah, and the amazing thing is those blooms have been there since last August. Now, that's a long time. Wow. That's a long time, and they, they looked really stunning with that. I, I think my favorite, though, I love the grass, of course, but uh, the amaryllis were just gorgeous. Yeah, to see those in a mass display like you've done, that's really very yeah, nice. Yeah, and the, the growers out at Lakeville did a marvelous job of timing those. And then the anthurium, my goodness. Yes. Uh, beautiful anthurium, a plant that we can you know grow successfully in the house. Um, and then, Danny, back to your question about yeah. you know, lots of dwarf conifers that are in this show, and that, that Acricona spruce is, uh, is spectacular. Oh, that's lovely. And the, the uh, Japanese maples. Yes. And I don't know, Mary, if you noticed the northern redbud that are just beginning oh, to Oh, just flower. starting, yes. Yeah. Boy, you, boy, you guys so know pretty. your stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well. If we get in a pinch here, Dale, we'll call you. Okay? No, I, I tell you, Denny, I enjoy listening to the show, and you guys just provide a tremendous service because that's eight years of great solutions and help in the garden because we all need help, believe me. Well. Um, you know, and for Bachman's after 134, I think, and counting years, we're still trying to get it right, and it's not easy. Well, so. you know what else, Mary, Dale brought up to me, and I and, and he was kind enough to bring one to the station, is uh, maybe we could talk briefly about this book, uh, which which is, I, you know, it's more than just a coffee table book. Boy, did it bring back memories for me. Thank You for Shopping is the name of it. Well, and as retailers, we want to thank all of our guests for shopping, because uh, retail changes over time, and and this is really a book uh, that the Minnesota Historical Society Press published just before Christmas. And I, I found out about it because Crystal, the author, uh, included a, a chapter about Jack Barkley's work with the auditorium shows at Dayton's. And then tell us about work. tell us about Jack a little bit for listeners that who may have not grown up or been around here then. You know, Jack is a theatrical and event designer that's been working in this market for probably over 60 years, I would say. And, and we had the pleasure of working with Jack again on the Galleria Floral Experience. But some of Jack's work is in this book, helped us with the flower shows for 50 years, all those wonderful uh, auditorium holiday shows that took place at Dayton's. And so Jack's legacy continues on in this book, uh, marvelous color pictures of work and so forth. And all the, the titles of the shows from... All the auditorium holiday shows are in there, and then also for the, for the flower shows. But then, you know, the book really is about all the things that we miss now, like Dayton's and yes. Powers and Donaldson's, Donaldson's and, yes. and Golden Rule. But then Crystal went out state, and talking to folks that have been at the Galleria, you know, what about uh, department stores in Brainerd, like O'Brien's or Duluth? I, had, I don't get up to Duluth, you know, enough, but... Glass Block was a brand there, St. Cloud, Fandles, and Choates in Winona. So she went out state, and the Historical Society did a great job with the book. It makes a wonderful gift as well. And Mother's Day is coming up, oh, I believe. Yes. That's, you're absolutely right. Well, yeah. I was also, because of uh, you know all the visitors that we have in town who may not know where the Galleria is, very easy to find. 
Uh, just think of six, and you just ask people. They'll tell you where the gallery well, is. Well, and it's just at 69th in France in Edina, and, and uh, been there since the 60s, but that has changed over oh, time. Oh, yes. Such a wonderful mix of stores. We've got a little pop-up shop there as well, so you can take a, a reminder of the flower show home. And, and Mary, we, you know, a lot of people ask about what's going to happen to the flowers after the flower show, and and some will find their way into the Galleria, into their interior landscape. Some of those evergreens will try and bring back and protect from frost and, and regrow. But then last year, kind of for the first time, we tried it and it was successful. But we'll, we'll strike the show over two to three nights next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, bring back some of those beautiful orchids and anthurium, and, and uh, we'll, we'll have them available in the Polly House at Lindale beginning Thursday of next week, I believe that's April 11th, we open at 9. And while supplies last, they'll be available at uh, special prices. And and then, Mary, we are going to work with the Arboretum and see if you need some plants out at the How Arboretum. How about that? Oh, that's great. Wonderful. Well. So they may come back to life out at the Great Hall at the Arboretum. Outstanding. Thank you, Dale. Right. That'd be wonderful. Well, Dale, it's so it was so much fun uh, to say seeing you and Ruth uh, at, uh, at the grocery store the Thank other day. You. And, and we, i got to clear the deck for you guys because you've got calls and texts coming. Well, you also have, have a great show. You have to tell Ruth that uh, she has to wait a month or two to try out for the Rockettes, okay? Yeah, she will. She okay. Will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Dale. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary. Thanks Great for calling. Yeah. And again, it's the garden party, the Galleria garden party with flowers by Bachman. It's great to hear Dale's voice again, isn't it? Yes. Because you guys wonderful. have known each other for a while, too, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, let's take a break. We have more show to come. We have callers already and texters. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in, text it in. We have a line open. You can fill it, 651-989-9226, or the text number, 81807. Barry Myers in studio from the University of Minnesota to help you out. Stay with us. 48 degrees here on WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us by our friends at By the Yard. We have callers, Mary Meyer, and we have texters. And I know it's going to keep you busy for a while, and we'll talk about other things as we move through the hour as well. But let's uh, talk to these good folks. I believe Mary Lou is first calling from Crystal with a question. Hi, Mary Lou. Good morning. Good morning. Have uh Rainy morning. Good morning, rainy yes, morning. Yes, rainy morning. Anyway, I have a question. I recently heard that I was anxious to get out of my yard, and I recently heard that I should not cut down, like, all my autumn joy yet or my echinaceas that are, you know, with seed pods on them. Is that correct? Well, at, at this point, I would consider uh, cutting them back. We do recommend that you keep up more of your garden stalks in the winter. There are a lot of insects that overwinter in the stems of those. and uh, But at this point, I would say you can uh, begin to clean up your garden if it's dry enough that you're not... Uh, leaving footprints out there. Uh, for many people, there's still a huge amount of water and some frost still in uh, the soil. So if uh, if you feel it's dry enough, you can start to clean up your garden. Okay. Thank you, Mary Lou. Richard calling in from Forest Lake this morning with a question for Mary. Go ahead, Richard. Thank you. Good morning. Morning. I've got an apple tree that the bunnies got at. Uh-oh. The bottom six inches the bark is chewed off. Is there anything I can do to help those trees? That's uh, unfortunately something that a lot of us are going to see or have already seen mm-hmm. this uh, spring. Uh, the rabbits 
had a difficult time this winter and uh, ate anything they could reach, sometimes at, you know, three, four feet up there because of the snow uh, levels that we had. Um, Your tree will probably leaf out and then you'll begin to see the problems uh, that it has. So I would wait and see how it does. Um, If it completely surrounds the bark where the bark has been removed, it completely surrounds the trunk, uh, then the tree is going to be dead. And Mm. at this point, there's not a lot you can do uh, about that. If you have other trees, uh, you you need to put the rabbit guards or the... um, the barrier on the bottom of the tree so that that doesn't happen again. But uh, I would wait and see, but it's, it's very likely the tree is dead, unfortunately. You'll, mm. you'll need a new uh, apple tree. And you see, you, were talk, you and I were talking off air about a lot of damage. Yes, uh, just a huge amount of damage this winter. So I think, unfortunately, we're going to be seeing um, a lot of that. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Sharon is calling in from Sanchfield, I believe. Uh, Sharon, you are on uh, CCO with uh, Mary. Sharon, good morning. Hi. Um, my friend has a rhododendra, and she wants to trim it, and we talked about it, and I told her no. Um, it's going to bloom this spring, right? Yes. Uh, the rhododendra, and that's the hardiest for us, is the PJM one. That's the very early blooming one. The bud, buds are already set on that. And if she prunes now, she'll be pruning off the flowers. So the best time is to wait and prune it right after it blooms. All right. If it's easier to, uh, than calling, uh, send uh, Mary a text, 81807, 81807. Here's one that came in a bit ago. Is it too early to plant uh, things like peas, kale, spinach in my raised bed? I cover it with plastic creating a mini greenhouse. So a lot of this is going to depend on what the soil temperature is uh, for your uh, where you have it. Now, there is such a thing as a soil thermometer. You can get out your soil thermometers or go buy one and put that in. That will tell you the temperature of the soil. So I have not gotten out my soil thermometer yet. Uh, if you can't get it in the soil or put a stick in there, that's because it's still frozen. So I would I would imagine if it isn't frozen, it's around 40 degrees. So it's a little cool yet. But as soon as the it dries out enough, drying is another critical thing. Uh, the plants that you mentioned, peas, kale, and so on, can be planted uh, earliest. Those are our cool season crops. You're definitely going to be able to do that in April. The newest information we have, and Mark Seeley was just talking about this, is we have a new normal frost date, last frost date. In the Twin Cities, essentially, we don't have a frost anymore in May. Really? It has backed up to April. April. And I think uh, Mark is thinking it's going to be more like uh, the 20th of April. Based on the last 10 to 12 years, we've only had two frosts in May. So that's, it's, it's much more likely that it's going to be April. The new records will come out after uh, 2020 that will be the, the new summaries for us. So basically, uh, the cool season vegetables, you can definitely start thinking about sowing those. It's a matter of when the soil is drier and the frost is out of the ground. So another week or so, yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. Texter says, uh, this week or next, can honey, locust, and hackberry trees still be pruned? Honey, locust, and hackberry. Yes, you can prune those. The big no-no now is the oak. Oh, yes. We we are in our April, May, June, high risk of oak wilt, and that is uh, 
don't be pruning any oaks now. But uh, honey locust and hackberry, yes, you could do that. Is there some news that you brought with us about uh, the borer? Oh, the emerald ash borer. So we kept hearing this winter about the winter killing these off. That has not happened. It hasn't. Unfortunately, it has not happened. So there was a press release this week from the Department of Agriculture where they have found emerald ash borer in Stearns County way up in Salk Center. Mm. So that's really the northwest part of Stearns County. So also the other new information we have is a wonderful video from Jeff Hahn on the website at extension.umn.edu. This is the best time to examine your ash trees for the borer because you can look closely at the bark, and if the bark comes off, you can see the borer under there. So, Wow. Always be vigilant and don't move the wood. Don't move the wood. All we right. have the quarantine on 18 counties in Minnesota. Moving wood is our biggest problem. It is, huh? Ash borer. Oh, right. wow. Mary, hang on. We're going to take a, a quick break here. We still have about another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. If you have a lawn and garden kind of question, call it in or text it in. There's a line open, 651-989-9226. Or, again, if it's easier to send Mary your text, that is 81807. All right, we'll take this break. Be right back. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on 830WCC. Brought to us by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. Mary Myers in from the University of Minnesota helping you out today by phone and by text. If you'd like to call in your uh, lawn or garden question, by all means, 651-989-9226. Or again, text 81807. Text came in a bit ago, Mary. Said, hi, should I fertilize my strawberries now with 101010? I, I think it's a little early to do that. I, my concern is that, number one, do you, do you need that much fertilizer, 101010? Have you had a soil test recently? And then number two... Um, is that going to to go into the ground, into where your strawberry roots are, uh, with no chance of washing off with the soil still being too uh, saturated or too frozen? So it's a little bit early to do that. Uh, I would say that uh, closer to... Uh, you know, the first of May would be a good time to do that, on it, and if you know you need the nutrients. Oh, good right. point. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the phones. Carol is calling in from Ramsey, I believe. Uh, Carol, you are on with Mary. Hi, Mary. Love your show. Last fall, I transplanted some irises um, in a sunnier garden, and I'm just wondering if they'll bloom this spring. I've had them for about nine years. You know, uh, Carol, it really depends on how uh, big the pieces were, how much stored food were was actually in uh, the rhizomes that you moved. It's possible they can bloom this year. If they don't bloom this year, they will next year. Iris are uh, one of the great perennials that we can grow in Minnesota. Unfortunately, they do better when they're divided, so you've done the right thing. But it, it's sometimes there's a year or two, but then they then you'll have more bloom because they appreciate division. Okay. Texter, by the way, text number 81807. I need to wait, Texter said. I know I need to wait, but when or what conditions should I wait for to start cleaning up perennials? Can I cut back hydrangeas now? Yes, this is similar to the uh, question we had earlier. Um, 
So the cleanup in the spring is really when the soil has thawed out and uh, no more frost is in the ground and things are dry enough. So it depends. Uh, We have just started that at the Arboretum. Some of the beds, especially where the gardeners can stand on the walkways and remove the mulching and so on, they've just uh, started to do that. So uh, as soon as things dry out, you can do that. Then the hydrangea question is a little bit different. So the hydrangea pruning... I don't do much of any pruning on hydrangeas. No. And so there are three different kinds, and so it gets confusing for people. And the the endless summer one is the one that's the least hardy, and people can really um, – are more concerned about that. But um, you can – you can take off the old flowers. That's what I think does bother people the most because many of those uh, papery beige flowers from last year are still hanging. They're on my vanilla strawberry hydrangea. You can take those off. Uh, you can reshape some of the plant if you're not too concerned about uh, cutting off any of the flowers. But many of our hardiest hydrangeas put out the wood this year, and then they're going to bloom on that wood. So. Mm-hmm. Texter wants to know, is it too early to rake out dead foliage in my garden? Uh, there again, it's, is it too wet? If you can see your footprints walking around, it's too wet to be out there doing anything. My uh, garden, uh, that's definitely, it's, uh, it's still way too wet. We need an, a week of warmer, drier conditions. Um, a week or 10, after a week or 10 days, I think uh, most of us will be able to consider that. But it's a little too early for most people yet. And I was looking at the forecast uh, today, tonight, tomorrow. It's going to be even wetter, it looks like. Yeah. For so that. It'll be a while. But I'm noticing a little green in the yard, though. Yes. And some, and now out at the Arboretum, we have some things blooming. So some of the snowdrops, uh, the uh, pasque flower is blooming, the witch hazel. So, yeah, always things to look for at the Arboretum. We've had a great uh, season with the maple syrup out there. Oh, we I bet. Over 1,500 people came for the pancake brunch. So, yeah, that's always a popular event. But uh, And Three Mile Drive will be opening soon at the Arboretum. It's still closed. There's still some water on some of the areas where we've had melting and uh, very soft shoulders. So after April 15th, um, that's probably that's our kind of tentative date for opening for the drive at the Arboretum. And like Dale Bachman mentioned earlier, this, uh, you know, in between things, with folks in town for the tournament, they might like to take that drive to the Arboretum. Yeah, take the drive out on the west side of the city, uh, just west of 41 and 5. And then, yeah, it's wonderful. This is uh, members' double discounts now for a few days. So beautiful things at the gift shop. We have some art displays going on out there, a wonderful library, and great recreation to walk around. It's a great place, great resource. Text number 81807. Here's one, Mary. When is the best time to transplant a fern peony? Fern peonies are um, best transplanted in the fall. Uh, They're going to bloom early this spring, and they're a wonderful plant. They're a very uh, long-lived perennial. They're very expensive also, (laughs) but they're beautiful. So, uh, But fall is the time for transplanting them. Okay. You know, we haven't mentioned yet the website. The website, yes, extension.umn.edu, and then click on Yard and Garden. 
Uh, we've got some new articles up mm-hmm. on our Yard and Garden blog. You can sign up to get the blog regularly as new things uh, mm-hmm. are posted there. We've got the information about the changing um, spring frost date <laughs> moving back. Uh, great information about the emerald ash borer. And there's a new video. I think I mentioned, did I mention that? A new video to watch how to decide if your tree might have emerald ash borer. Oh, that's good. So Jeff Hahn is actually on a, on a tree. He's beside a tree out at Fort Snelling where we uh, know emerald ash borer is there and shows you exactly what to look for. This time of year. So it's a perfect time to get out and examine uh, ash trees that might be on your property. Yeah, Jeff knows his stuff. He does. Yeah, yes. entomologist for a long time helping us out here. I know that. Uh, all right, again, what is the, what is the website for those folks who want to, on a rainy day? It's a great reading. Great, <laughs> great reading. Extension.umn.edu and then click on Yard and Garden and that will take you to the homepage and then you can. Uh, look up what insect do I have, what weed do I have, uh, individual information about flowers. Oh, you know, another thing that has just been linked up there, mm. and this is a great time of year to think, what are you going to plant for your vegetables? Well, you're probably thinking about planting squash or tomatoes or whatever. Master gardeners for many years have trialed vegetables, and they have their favorites. Up ah. there. So that's linked on the uh, Yard and Garden page under extension.umn.edu. It will take you to a gigantic Excel spreadsheet, and but you can look at it by, by plant, by tomato, by lettuce, whatever, and see the favorites of Master Gardeners. So if you're uh, interested in varieties, and that makes all the difference with vegetables, uh, you can see what Minnesota Master Gardeners have uh, trialed and what their favorites are. Excellent. Here's the text uh, that says, I have a partially shaded backyard with encroaching moss. Would integrating clover be a good idea? Uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Um, it's probably, clover loves sun, uh, but clover does do well in low-nutrient soils. Poor soils is basically what uh, moss is an indicator of a poor soil with lower nutrients, compaction, uh, poor drainage and uh, shady conditions. That's usually why moss is growing there. You can try clover now. White clover is a great uh, feed food food for pollinators for yeah. bees, and um, it is very persistent in a lawn. And it will flower even though it's cut and walked on. So that's that is great. So yeah, I think it's worth a try there. I, I most clover would usually like more sun. But you can also um, consider uh, the fine fescues, which is what's usually in a shady lawn mix. The no-mow mixes and shady lawn mixes are usually fine fescues. They have a high tolerance for shade. So that's something else to consider along with clover. And the clover, like you mentioned, this serves a purpose for the pollinators, too. Yes. Yeah. Hang on, Mary. We'll take a quick break here. We have more show to come. Our Smart Garden Show here on WCCO. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. You can chat with Mary or send her a text, 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota with us this morning, helping you out by phone and text as usual. I wanted to make mention that, uh, you, you know, our friend Gail Hudson, uh, put together and remember with all the videos and yes. you all were here and, and <laughs> all three of us and evidently me once. not being real high tech. I want to alert. So look at WCCO.com 
uh, WCCORadio.com. Uh, uh, radio, what, what is it, radio, Dennis? Um, radio.com. Right, yeah, yeah. So go go online, and what I found Facebook is another Facebook one. Facebook would work, yeah. So um, looking not to hear the show live necessarily so much, but there, but Gail did a nice video where you can see our faces. If you're not sure what we look like, you can see our faces and what it looks like here in the glamorous studios of WCCO, <laughs> that's right. and um, and so that's a fun video. But also, what happened with me um, is I the first Google link I went to were the podcasts. So this show uh, is up on podcasts, and many of you I know have told me that you listen to that when you're gardening and, and on a Wednesday night. If you want to hear CCO, you can listen to the podcast. Well, that's so, great. Yep. I tell you, we have so many text messages. Let's. I don't want to leave this people out, and I know we're going to get back to the call. So callers, hang on. I just want to give some fair time here to uh, to the Texas. We have so many Uh Okay, let's see. Is straw a good mulch to use in a vegetable garden? Yes, it is. Uh, the only downside with straw is you want it to be as clean as possible. That means no weed seeds. So hopefully it won't have many weed seeds. It will just have the stalks and the top part, which were the, the grain of wheat, oats, whatever, uh, will be gone. But, yes, a very, very good mulch. The texter wants to know when's the best time to transplant rhubarb. Um, that's actually when it's more of dormant in uh, late summer and in the fall. So right now it's starting to grow and come up. Um, you could do it now if you you don't care about losing the productivity, but ideally it's um, later in the summer or fall. Okay. Uh, we have so many. Uh, is it too early to uncover my roses? Uh, you can start to do that. I, I think that's going to be okay. Um, we've started to do that at the Arboretum. Uh, the The day for the big tip coming up is April uh, 15th, and um, I think that we're okay. A frost is not going to hurt the rose. What's going to hurt the rose is something like zero, and uh, hopefully we won't have anything close to that again. I hope not. For another year. Not for a while. <laughs> right. At this time, we have a lot of these type of questions. Can I dig up a clematis and rose bush and transplant? Uh, you can. That could affect the flowering both on the clematis and the rose. So digging them up, if you're moving or have some reason you have to do it now, uh, you can do that. But you'll find as soon as you go out there with a shovel, uh, things are quite wet and semi-frozen. Uh, lawn question, can I throw grass seed on the bare spots in my lawn right now? Uh, well, you can't just throw <laughs> seed, right? You guys have taught me that. Right. There has to be it's, contact. Yeah, you want good contact with the soil. And, um, you know, you can try that. You're much better off waiting until things dry out sufficiently enough so that you can scratch the surface of the soil and help the seed get in there and have a good contact. So it's not going to do anything until we get... Uh, above 50s in uh, the soil temperature. So I, I would wait uh, a couple of weeks to do that. All right. Back to the phones we go, Mary. Barb is calling from Rochester with a question. Hi, Barb. Good morning to both of you. I have a question regarding dahlias. My mother, of course, has grown them on the farm, and they are beautiful. I am attempting to take some into my city place and uh, put them in my ground there. Tell me, can I start them in pots now to make it a little easier jumpstart? And really, are, are dahlias heavy feeders that, you know what, need to get the good old manure out and really make that soil 
heavy that way. Yeah, so yes to both of those. Uh, Many people in Minnesota do start the tropical dahlias. They are a tropical plant coming out of Mexico, closer to the equator. So many people in Minnesota do give them a head start in pots indoors and then just um, uh, transplant them outside. And they are pretty heavy feeders. That's right. They do tend to like manure. So you have hit the nail on the head. They, They like that type of organic matter and fertilizer. For those, Mary, that joined us a little bit late, we had a fun chat with our friend uh, Dale Bachman about the flower show at the Galleria. Just got a text from uh, a texter that said, my garden club from Mound went to the Galleria Bachman's flower show. It was wonderful. Spring is really in the air, recommended for all. And you was, you've been yes, there yourself. Yes, it's lovely. It really is. And, you know, we do spend a lot of time looking at the flowers lower. But as Dale pointed out, look up because there are many trees that they bring in. Uh-huh. Here. And the red bud, uh, look for the red bud, the Japanese maples, their pines. But it's really fun. Uh, great place to go this Absolutely. weekend. It's raining. Go to the flower yeah, show. Yeah, today and tomorrow is last uh, last chance. All right, back to the phones. Uh, Jim is calling from Andover with a question. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Say, Mary, I was in Fargo yesterday, and my sister has a birch tree, paper birch, that had the whitest bark I have ever seen. So I took a cutting and wrapped it up in a damp paper towel and put it in a bag, brought it home. Should I put it in a starter mix soil or sand? I've got rooting hormone. Yeah, put some rooting hormone on it and... um Pretty not, not fine textured soil is what you need. I would not do sand. Uh, I would get something that has, holds a little bit more moisture. Maybe mix sand in with a potting soil so that you have some more moisture. Um, you could actually kind of enclose this whole pot and thing in a plastic bag. What you want to do is keep that humidity as high as possible without cooking or roasting the plant. So you don't want it totally enclosed in plastic, but but plastic will help keep the humidity high, and then hopefully you'll get some rooting. It's um, it's touch and go, but, uh, you know, of course, that's why the nurseries and the garden centers are there, because they have those beautiful trees, and you can go see them uh, and get the ones with the whitest bark. All right. Thanks, Jim. Ken is calling in from Edina this morning with a question for Mary. Hi, Ken. Good morning. What can we do for you? Well, I'd like some uh, wisdom, if that's the right word, on tulips. I've planted them off and on over the years at two or three different residences. And uh, I noticed they used to last longer. You'd plant them, and they'd be there for many years. In fact, my dad planted some way back when, and I'm told that they're still coming up. But I was told recently by somebody that, as of late, they've been um, hybrided, if that's the right word, and they've only produced flowers for two or three years. And uh, I remember when I used to buy tulips at my friendly garden store in Richfield, they sold tulips in early, middle, and late. And I haven't seen that lately. Yes, so you're right, uh, Ken. There's, there, there are a lot of different kinds of tulips. And many of the hybrids are very short-lived. And in display gardens mm-hmm. like the Arboretum, we only use them for one year and then remove them. You need to look for the Darwin tulips. Those are, that's the kind of the easiest brand or type to find that are the better perennials. And then the species tulips. So the species tulips are harder to find. They don't, uh, they sometimes look a little bit different. They're sometimes shorter. But the species tulips, we're talking things like tulip Gregori, tulip 
tulip, Fosteriana, and so on. These are different kinds of tulips. They are great perennials. They will actually increase in your garden. But the big hybrids with lacy, special uh, parrot types and so on, yeah, those are basically a one-year thing. The other thing is they need tremendous drainage in the summer. Mm. They don't like being watered at all in the summer. So if you put them in where you have annuals, too much water can uh, shorten their life cycle. But uh, there are lots of tulips, so keep looking. We are out of time. Wonderful. How about a quick uh, <laughs> website? Extension.umn.edu. And that uh, book that Dale Bachman and I were talking about, and Mary, thank you for shopping Minnesota Historical Society. Thanks, Mary. Great to be here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.